0: You and Mike Leach are very different people, which is why I think you guys worked really well together. Um, what was his pitch to you like, especially knowing, you know, right before that you had committed to, to going to Syracuse, but, you know, knowing that, that a legend like Mike Leach is saying, Hey, come run my defense. You got full autonomy. What what exactly was that process like for you?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think he really wanted coach long, right. And it worked out for one reason or another. And there's probably a dozen or other, so guys in there that he would have preferred to have, but fortunately, for one reason or another, it got all the way down the list, you know, somewhere in the high teens or 20s, they got to me and I was not about ready to pass up that opportunity.
0: Hey, what's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, fun show lined up. I am going to hand out bulletin board material for every SEC team in 2023. Uh, the newest head coach in the SEC, Zach Arnett, He is going to join us in a bit, and then we're going to close with streaming services and figure it out, and lad of the week. Okay, we were talking about this before we came on. Disrespect is all the rage right now in mm-hmm. not just football, everything, right? We see this in, in the NBA. If you say that... If there's any and we saw the Travis Kelsey stuff, and obviously the Cincinnati mayor who stepped in it, all-time infamous pregame thing to do the attorney test with Joe Burrow. All those things we that could was understand.
2: so cringe that I think it actually found a way to cancel out what Joe Burrow does on a daily basis. I gotta give that guy credit because he found a way to make Joe Burrow lose a clutch game by just simply hitting him with a cringe jinx.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I I take it for what it is, but like the Georgia 7 and 5 stuff i mean mm-hmm. some treated the chiefs like they were the biggest underdog story in sports history and like nobody believed in nobody believes in anyone ever anymore and there's always just hate constantly about teams and why think why teams aren't going to win a championship or whatever i, I tweeted about how funny it is that players and coaches all say before a game we've got to block out the outside noise and then literally the second the game ends now it's we got tired of everyone disrespecting us I don't think you could have it both ways. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority with that, whatever. But in this era of social media, also post-Last Dance era, I think the floodgates have opened for teams to take everything as disrespect. And look, I get it. I talked about it with Bryce Young last year, post-Heisman, why I understand how if you're really, really good – You almost have to play mind games with yourself. And it's sort of why I just laughed at Georgia playing the seven and five card or, you know, Stetson Bennett at the parade. It's talking about the disrespect, though. Recent events have me wondering if Stetson Bennett is lacking some self-awareness at a pretty defining time in his life. But that's another discussion for another time. Don't need to dig into a whole lot of that today. What I thought we would do today is just put on our hater hats. We will just give bulletin board material to every single sec team that way when you know georgia wins a title and says that people were saying that they'd go seven and five we don't have to collectively do a mad scramble of the internet to try and find any human being any robot any animal who thought that georgia would go seven and five we don't need to do that which i'll come back to right here so i'm going to do this for every sec team that way when your team wins you can clip this you can come back you can try and dunk on me for ever possibly saying something negative about your team, even though it's my job to do that from time to time. Does that sound good?
2: Yes. Let me ask you a question first. What is the biggest piece of bulletin board material you've ever given a team as a writer?
0: Oh, as a writer? Golly. Uh, I think Tennessee is going to beat Georgia this year. (laughs) That was a pretty good one infamous words don't think that exactly made the cut of the pregame hype video for georgia and lord knows by the time that that game came around i wasn't alone that'd be up there though i mean i've had it more so back in back in the nebraska days about doing a story and then having an opposing coach tell me afterwards about like oh they saw this this and this and they saw this team getting all the love and it made a difference and i'm like all right, let's let's chill here. OK, we're in Kearney, Nebraska. If I provided the the motive, whatever you needed to get up for this game, I, you're welcome, I guess. But to me, you should probably be finding other sources of motivation than hoping that I write some positive things about the other team. But coaches are. Coaches will freak out about that stuff. It's weird.
2: They're wild. It's, yeah.
0: And there's, I've seen coaches start
2: beefs over like little subheads that weren't even written by the writers. But yes, I just wanted to ask you that. I think, I think Georgia, Tennessee is a pretty good example because you called that in the preseason or you predicted it in the preseason. And then Tennessee kind of did better than you were expecting in the yeah. regular season. They were like, I think number one at the time of that game. And it was like, hey, not going to back off of it now, buddy. It it's funny because it looked better than worse, but that's the thing about it. You know, sometimes you got to call your shot. And I think that uh George is just that they're just known for
0: love and disrespect as we're talking about to provide no such bulletin board material would make me very bad at my job. Exactly. That's the thing. You got to kind of get out there a little bit, you know, you have to each and every week or uh, the, the, the college game, the, the ultimate bulletin board material now is when the entire college game day panel picks the same team to win a game. And then you hear the story afterwards. They were sitting at the team hotel and they saw this and then they really flipped the switch. It's like, is that what you need? Is that what you need to get going? Because I don't know, man, like that, saying Desmond Howard like having Desmond Howard predict my team to lose doesn't exactly fire me up. It I don't know. Maybe I'm unique in that regard, but I don't know. That's just the way things go now and that's what they always hear about. They hear about that constantly. I mean, it's one of the reasons why herbstree doesn't do a a pick for the game that he's calling because he doesn't want to have to hear about it from the opposing coach afterwards or something like that. I think he did that in the very early days and he's like why am I setting myself up for that? Like, why? That's it's just so unnecessary. So yeah, we run into it a little bit, but we're gonna run into it a whole lot. We're just gonna run straight into it today. That's the goal. That's through. It. Yeah. Okay. Let's. We're just gonna go in alphabetical order here. Let's start with Alabama. The dynasty is dead. Um, Alabama just lost multiple pre-Iron Bowl games. Hadn't happened since 2010. Ever since the NIL era began, Nick Saban titleless. Kirby clearly owns Saban because of the one victory. And don't give me this crap about, oh, what about the fact that Bama hasn't lost at home since Joe Burrow was at LSU? And don't tell me, oh, how was the dynasty dead when they played in six of the last eight national championship games? I'm just focusing on facts. True or false? Well, you can answer this. Brian Kelly just beat Nick Saban in year one. Listen, very true. Very true. Another true or false. Bama just lost its best quarterback in program history and lost its best defensive player since Derek Thomas. True or false? Yes, I think we're aligned on both of those. Okay. Uh, Saban can't keep a coordinator because nobody wants to work with him. Players don't even want to work with him anymore. Did you see – I mean, they they don't want to play for him, obviously. All the penalties that they had this year, it it just kind of makes you wonder if he doesn't really know how to speak to this generation of kids. I think these are fair things to say. The dynasty is dead. He's He's not part of this TikTok generation, Connor he's not um I, I think the game has really passed him by oh that's a good one game has passed him by Amen. um just pop in the old championship dvds bama fans that's that's the only thing i can say to you at this point you, you're moving on to a new era and surely there's no chance that your team could ever win a national championship ever again arkansas brett biema is probably rolling over in his grave thinking about this arkansas defense and i know he's not dead but he might have a heart attack if he has to watch this Arkansas defense blow chunks like he did last year. They couldn't even crack the top 100 nationally, and then they lost their coordinator, their top two linebackers, their best edge guy, and their All-American safety. Forget turning on the damn jukebox. How about we turn on some damn Oklahoma drill, all right? (laughs) Arkansas is going to look back on this time with KJ and think, man, we did that guy dirty because the defense was nicer than Sam Pittman and not in a good way. The Hogs are going to be so bad defensively that I wonder if they'd be better off just lining up some actual Hogs and seeing if they could push the ball carrier out of bounds. This team has a 0.0% chance of getting to Atlanta unless it can convince Greg Sankey that the rest of the SEC West is cheating by having so many long forward passes against them. That's their only hope, Arkansas. That's it. Other than that, not going to happen. Serious rule change. Otherwise, you're not going to Atlanta. Pack your bags for a different bowl game. Actually, that's not a bowl game, but you get what I'm saying.
2: Don't forget, Sam Pittman is uh, Ed Ogeron 2.0. He was made by his
0: uh, coordinators now. And how many years did did Ed Ogeron last at LSU? Four. How four. many yeah. years? Is, this is year four. So um, Sam Pittman's going to get fired. It's going to be a terrible season for Arkansas. Heard it here first. Auburn. Speaking of teams with problems doing the forward pass thing, Auburn barely completed 50% of its passes in the year of our Lord 2022. Do you know how hard it is to hover around 50% completion percentage? Like currently, not in 1943, when teams could throw out of the wing T into triple coverage to a guy who was a coal miner for the other eight months of the year. Mm -hmm. There's no way that Hugh Freeze is going to fix that overnight. There's just no way. And I'm not sure that I want Freeze doing anything with the words overnight in there. Auburn fans, do not get mad at me for saying that. I, too, believe in grace, just like the grace that your run defense showed last year. Oh, don't worry, ball carrier. You're stopped stopped in the backfield because, you know, you didn't follow your block. Here's a second opportunity at a first down and maybe more because we don't know how to wrap up. You are forgiven, son. You're forgiven. You are. Six yards. Here you go. First down. You see see that marker? Go get it. You got it. Don't worry about it. Auburn's all about showing grace. How else can you explain a one and nine record against Alabama and Georgia in the last five years? All right. They're all about it. Like a good neighbor, Auburn is there to remind everyone that 2013 was a decade ago, but it might as well have been a lifetime ago.
2: Lord. It's all about the Yellowwood guy. Don't forget he's controlling the shadow government over there, all right? And also the fan base is crazy. Can't keep those guys, those crazy people happy on the planes.
0: You're you're hoping for a miracle year on the planes? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they can get to the Liberty Bowl. That's it, okay? And there's not even a Vegas Bowl uh, up for grabs this year, if I'm not mistaken, because I think the SEC and Big Ten rotate with that. So I can't even sell that potential hope for this year's Auburn team. So it's going to be a rough one. Florida They're new hire. the guy to stay in Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did. So Florida, uh, you know, when Michael is roasting everyone in the office and he gets to Kevin and he's like, Kevin, I can't decide between a fat joke and a dumb joke. Boom. Roasted. Yeah. Florida. I can't decide between an NIL joke or a play calling joke. Boom. Roasted. There's a new HGTV show where a contractor takes over these home renovations That basically were abandoned halfway through. And and it's really, you know, these families that are walking into these homes are like, yeah, I had a total gut job and and the contractor said he did 80% of the work and this isn't anywhere close to that. And now they're just like stuck in in, in just this financial well right now. And it's a really bad situation. That's the best way that i describe Billy Napier with Anthony Richardson. That Utah game was like when the contractor comes in, he lays out all the plans. You're looking at the iPad. You're thinking, wow, this is about to be incredible. And then six and six regular season with a Vandy loss happens. Richardson bolts for the NFL and Apier is looking at those, looking at his house, wondering why there's a toilet in the middle of the living room. This is not good. The job was not finished. So I guess in this comp, the hope is that Graham Mertz is the HGTV contractor who steps in and tells Billy Napier, I got you, fam. You shouldn't have to live like this. But then Napier is like, wait, didn't you get fired from the only construction job that you ever had? And then Mertz is like, yeah, but the floorman only let me paint. And I really think it'd be best if I got to use my entire toolbox. You know what I'm saying? That's Florida. Florida
2: is the, or uh, Scramworks is a future HGTV contractor, so that's good. Also, I just want to say that I feel like your slogan can't be scared. Money, don't make money if you are running out of money.
0: Anyway, great point. Great point. We're going to get back to the subject of money in a little bit here, I promise you. Georgia, 7-5. and That's what they said last year. I'm thinking 6-6, and regression. I know the schedule is a piece of cake. Georgia might be able to win the East just playing its second stringers, but... I don't know. I've studied that 1936 Minnesota team with Bernie Bierman, and I just don't think this Georgia team is wired that way, which we know based on the last century of data, that is what you need to three-peat. And that 1936 Minnesota team, this is what I mean by wired that way. That team was led by, of course, the great Ed Widseth, who grew up without electricity. Does Georgia really have that kind of grit? I don't Do they think they have so. that kind of dog in them to where they could grow up and cook some eggs with no electricity. I don't know. No are asking. Find me a team MVP on Georgia who grew up without electricity. Okay. they, in they have... practice facility in Minnesota. All right. Yes. They're using snow to keep themselves warm up there. Yeah. Instead, Georgia players are all focused on dunking on people on the internet. I've got uh, a lot of culture questions with Georgia guys transferring, guys getting arrested. Makes you wonder. Kirby losing control of the program. We all know that they got lucky against Ohio State. They avoided playing Bama, didn't have to play Michigan either, and they were playing really well in the regular season. Uh, I'm not even sure if that that we can count this as a real title because TCU would have gone five and seven in the SEC. So what did that really prove? Sixty five to seven. So if you think about it. What did Georgia really accomplish last year or really these last two years? Because they couldn't even win their own conference the year before. And last I checked, winning your conference is supposed to mean something. So Georgia, probably six and six, definitely not in the same breath as 1936 Minnesota. Come on, the
2: haterade was right there. They didn't beat Saban this year. Come on, they're still one and one against Nick Saban
0: in these two years. Yeah. So I, I don't know that we can officially be on board with any talk of three Pete. And even if we could, again, 1936 Minnesota was a bus up Kentucky we might actually unplug the electricity in the trading facility. We didn't let him know that we're kidding.
2: <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: Just don't, don't do this. Don't do this. A lot of of other video from the social department. Just in the dark. It's like what happened.
2: He was listening to this podcast the other day. He had lowered his voice. since. anyway.
0: Just get like all the like the shadows of Ed Widsash coming up, flashing. You See nothing else but that. Yeah, that's that's the way that George has got to tap into that grit this year. Okay, Kentucky, for a football school, they certainly didn't do a whole lot of football. At least not at a very high level this past year. Big blue gate, still wide open unless a repairman came in to fix it, which last I checked, a backup at Bama and a Northern Illinois transfer doesn't suggest that Kentucky will have a competent offensive line. The big blue gate, fellow believers in grace. Hey, Mr. Pass rusher, I know you didn't read the snap count correctly, but you're one swim move away from getting past me and having a second chance at sacking the quarterback. NC State fans who aren't bitter at all about Devin Leary leaving already pointed out that he's going to break in half behind the big blue gate. So there's a good chance that Kentucky is playing with a backup quarterback by like, I don't know, the second quarter of the first game of the year. That doesn't seem ideal. Also, if you've been holding your breath on Kentucky getting to an SEC championship since they started doing that whole SEC championship game three decades ago, well, I guess I'm talking to a ghost because you've been dead for a very long time. Too dark. (laughs) All right. Yeah, I
2: think uh, Kentucky's in an interesting spot. I'll just leave it there. <laughs> LSU. I, I, I like a lot of what they're doing, so I can't really dump with them because we love their new OC. That's the problem. So it's like, ah, but yeah, they, they got some headway to make up with Georgia.
0: LSU will. I'm not saying that Brian Kelly can't beat a top five team, but I am saying that he's only done that once in his entire coaching career and he needed Trevor Lawrence to get COVID to have that happen. <laughs> Brian Kelly needs to do some more dancing with recruits once they get on campus because grinding to get the commitment is great. But last I checked, it's only worth it if they actually play a game for you. Yeah, now Uh, Brian Kelly is 0 for 2 in grinding situations because he missed on the tight end and now Walker Hour (laughs) transfer. So, I mean, what did that really get you? Just a bunch of embarrassment. I, you know, these are regrettable things that he has clearly done. TBD uh, on the culture fit discussion with Brian Kelly. You know, that was a very popular topic around this time last year. Uh, LSU's culture isn't to lose four games and celebrate a coach for that. 2022 was not LSU's culture. It was LSU's breakup culture. That's very different. Like, you know how calories don't count after a breakup? It's the only time in your life when you can justify eating the entire pint of Ben and Jerry's. This was the only time in which it was okay that LSU could miss Extra point to lose a season opener in New Orleans, or that it could get blown out by a pair of SEC East teams, or that it could puke on its own shoes against A&M, an AM team without a shot at bowl eligibility. Brian Kelly was still able to come out of all of that smelling like roses because LSU was at the breakup stage where it was like, okay, if you just take a rinse shower and put on pants today. You're better than you were yesterday, and I know, I know, LSU fans, beating Bama isn't the equivalent of a rinse shower and putting on pants, but you saw the block in the back. Basically, LSU lost five games, if we want to count that, which we should. They'll probably lose at least five games again this year. I'll I'll go one more than that. I'll say just like Georgia, six and six. That was funny. <laughs>
2: Shower. I, I, I think the easy slander for LSU is like the Minnesota Vikings of the SEC. They won all these one score games. They should have lost to Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? So I can't can't keep quarterback talent. Yeah, I think I think it's next year's could be interesting for LSU. They could win twelve. They could win eight. Just depends. So hey, there's your hater aid right there. It's about those one score games.
0: Is New England clam chowder a banned substance? Can we test it?
2: <laughs> I... it was clam
0: chowder LSU was not the same. Very different, so get on that, Sankey. Mizzou, if we're being honest here, do I really need to provide Mizzou with a nobody-believed-in-us piece of ammo? Do I? Um, just hop on the old Google machine, search Mizzou football. Or if you really want to see the disrespect, search Eli Drinkowitz contract on Twitter and see all of the positive thoughts on that. Mizzou- the only person that believes in their coach is their AD. On Earth. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Mizzou used to be the ultimate nobody respects us team under Gary Pinkle. That's the irony Mm -hmm. of this. Then after 2013, 2014, AP voters in the preseason, they're like, all right, you know, Mizzou, here's your respect. We're going to start you in the top 25 going into the 2015 season. Then Mizzou goes five and seven. And in the first month of that season, they lose to Kentucky. Kentucky. They fall out of the top 25 and they play just two of their next 94 games as an AP top 25 team, which were losses to Vandy and a bowl game to Oklahoma State when they had Drew Locke. Mizzou got that preseason top 25 love back in 2015 as the nobody believed in us team the year before. And then they went 47 and 50 overall with a 25 and 41 record in the SEC over the next eight years, only one of which was a winning season. Zoo, like, I'm going to be honest, I don't need to give you bulletin board material. You kind of just give bulletin board material to yourself each and every year. Don't have to get real creative. That's proof is in, in the pudding right there. Mississippi State. Tell me the last time a bald coach won the SEC championship, Will.
2: i have no idea yeah you
0: can't yeah uh, it's it's never happened um mike debose is the only guy who has won an sec title who even looks like he's losing his hair now so i mean it is not h well it really is not um since they started doing the whole as i said earlier playing for a conference championship thing east versus west no bald coach and no coach with a shaved head has won it as long as Zach Arnett opts for that hairstyle, Mississippi State has a 0.0 chance of winning the SEC, and that has nothing to do with the fact that the Bulldogs only had one winning season in SEC play in the 21st century, and they still lost arguably the three biggest games on the schedule that year. Even as three three five appreciators, pistol recognizers, I don't know. We got to come up with something better for the pistol. Um, I can still I say with certainty uh i don't believe an msu team who has averaged 4.4 points per game against alabama the last five years is about to win the west call me a hater or just call me the guy who sees the 200 to 1 odds for msu to win a national title on fanduel and says if i ever even think about that bet i should probably just donate that money to and charity instead of like fanduel or something be a better use of my funds overall Almost. cowbells are peds you heard it here first
2: they know cowbells. those cowbells they wouldn't have a home field.
0: cowbells clam chowder confirmed peds get them out of this sport old miss well you're gonna like this um lanes wins age worse than an avocado they do yeah. of all lane kiffin's wins as a head coach Here are the only instances of him beating a power five team who went on to win nine regular season games. 2011, USC beat Oregon in Eugene. Oregon was number four in the country at the time. Kind of didn't necessarily kill national championship hopes. They still had an outside chance to be able to get there. But any possibility of a return trip to a title game did not happen. That's it, though. That is the only time that Lane Kiffin beat a power five team that went on to win nine regular season games. He is one and 19 in those games. That is bad. He's about to begin year 12 as a college head coach. I'll give you your disrespect right here. Ole Miss fans. You've got yourself viral Dan Mullen. That's, that's what he has been. Sure. Well, I'm look I'm I'm feeding everything that you're going to be saying about Lane for the next three years. As long as he's making $9 million a season, these are going to be the points. We'll circle back to this. We'll say this is the bulletin board material. This is the anti-Lane argument. Like, I get it. You've got one of the best schemers in all of college football. I will not take that from Lane. But can he actually lead you to the promised land? No way. Besides, like, Lane, Lane is just here to have a good time and as long as nick saban is on those sidelines at alabama he is going to have a boogeyman there's a new movie out called boogeyman looks terrifying but i bet that kid looking under the bed isn't nearly as terrified as lane when he sees saban every single year the jokes that kiffin makes poking fun at saban here there like you know it's like when a scared little kid brings in their parents because of their scared of monsters and in reality kiffin is sweating through three shirts which perfectly explains why he goes through like four different outfits on a given saturday all these things make sense for, for me if you're anti lane this is this is everything that you've wanted these are the stats that we have been circling around just circling the waters for a very long time but Ole miss can never win a division title ever
2: yeah i think uh the viral dead ball thing I'm so glad that we put a fit in that early but yeah this, this this whole season for Ole Miss felt like a win to get a coach but I said that they were a great you know great fit but it's the truth you know they both like to have fun Ole Miss hasn't won a national title since integration happened and Lane Kiffin hasn't had a big one since 2011 so these guys are just vibing they're vibing at the bars and you know what that's you buddy you are just hanging out
0: that's look That that that's the vibe that's what he's going for. If if we want to sit here and pretend like beating Kentucky when it's number seven in the country in the first month of the season should count as a top ten win and you know ignore the fact that they ended up with seven wins, that's that's fine. You can use that as your pro lane argument. This is your anti lane argument. Hey Connor, what's Lane's biggest win at Ole miss? Some Indiana. would say it's Indiana. Some would say it's Indiana. There's a case to be made for that. I might actually go with AM in 2021. Um that LSU win felt big at the time, didn't really end up being that big. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with AM though. I think AM when they host, they hosted Game Day that day, too. I want to say. Um, that would probably be my leader in the clubhouse. But yeah, Indiana. AM or well. Indiana. Yeah. South Carolina. Before I start, this is the one that'll most likely make its way back into a locker room, even though this is all clearly tongue in cheek. All right, don't get too upset about this. Please don't. Beamer, turn up the volume a little bit. Thank me later. I'm giving, I'm giving you everything you could want. Okay, South Carolina is still being used as a stepping stone program for some, not for all, but for some. Marshawn Lloyd, Jaheen Bell, Jordan Birch—they all left for bigger, more established programs. Circle back to when you hear Beamer say after some sort of Toby Keith "How Do You Like Me Now?" win this year, "We're not a stepping stone." That's that's going to be a nice little hat tip to this discussion. We'll remember that. Put put a pin in that. Um, certain programs like Georgia, Bama. LSU, they have enough talent where if three future NFL guys bolt, it's like, meh. you know, as George Strait would say, easy come, easy go. South Carolina, not on that level. South Carolina's level is being the team who has played in three games as an AP top 25 team in the post Spurrier era, and they went 0-3 in those games. And by the way, that included losing 23-10 to to Mizzou at home this past year, immediately after getting into the top 25. Why do you get disrespected, South Carolina? Because you've lost four straight to Mizzou. And before that, you couldn't beat Kentucky. These things hurt you. Tennessee, Clemson, they were incredible this year. They were incredible, but it doesn't entitle you to get preseason love to win the East and show that you're not a stepping stone program. You're still there. Tennessee. Um, okay. You know the guy in college who gets his fake ID to work once. And then after that, he's irrationally confident.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> That's Tennessee. That's Tennessee. Awesome to see that they finally let you into the club instead of freezing your butt off outside. But you might've just gotten the right security guard that night. Maybe even yeah, machine...
2: started doing the word, but everybody started staring at you.
0: What is this guy doing? It was weird. Is that guy twenty one. We got to go check yeah. him out again. I don't know. Uh, they might have just gotten the right security guard that night. They, you know, like machines could be down. They always have that machine. They do the bendy thing with the ID when you're trying to get in and they're trying to see it like they do the little flash, like whatever that is. Um Tennessee, you're still just nineteen years old. You might be able to tell your friends about that one incredible night that you had, but everything changes after you finally get into the club, or in this case, when you finally beat Bama and stay in the playoff hunt for the majority of the season. Is Tennessee just McLovin? Possibly. Uh, that see a little
2: bit more hair, but I feel it. I see the yeah, comparisons.
0: Like Jonah Hill meets McLovin, maybe? <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. Seth, he was in Super Bad, of course. Yeah, who could forget? The actor who played McLovin, uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasse? Plus, yes. Um, that's awesome. Plus, that's it, yeah. Um, he was okay in Neighbors pretty irrelevant role in Pitch Perfect. Role models was funny, but not funny because of him, you know? What I'm saying, Tennessee, is that you might have gotten to be in a starring role as one of the stories of the year in 2022, but just because that one time happened and you became a household name, it doesn't mean that you're about to be the draw year after year. 2022 could very well be your super bad, Tennessee. Gosh, I'm going to get some hate for that. I am nearly 30 years
2: old and your best season that I can remember did not result in the division championship.
0: <laughs> Some would say that if you can just bottle up a year like this and hold on to it forever, man, that, that'll last a really, really long time. People look back on the on the come up so much more fondly than when, ex- when expectations are actually there. Anna, if there is a list of the 10 catchiest songs of the 90s, I think... And this might be this, I might date myself a little bit on some of these here. Um, I think Mo Money Mo Problems has to be on that list. It's definitely not ahead of return of the Mac. It's probably behind a little bit of third eye blind, depending on how you feel about tearing up my heart by in sync. Probably gotta include that. Maybe a little bit of Britney Spears. I don't know. Blink 182. What's my age again? Maybe got to include that in there. I don't I don't I don't necessarily think Smash Mouth is a must, but for some. Top ten, mo money, mo problems is making that list. It is in college football. It's supposed to be mo money, no problems. A and M is one of the very few cases in which mo money, mo problems actually applies. Because here's how this could go: Bobby Petrino, call and plays for a month. It's up and down. It's up and down. Jimbo steps in. He says, "Nah, I got this. Don't worry." It's not like A and M can fire him. You know, like what happened when Richie Rich didn't want to eat his vegetables. His parents couldn't discipline him. Dude had a McDonald's in his house. They can't do that. Jimbo doesn't have a McDonald's in his house, but he does have 76 million reasons why he could pull the plug on the on the Patrino experiment and cause an internal blow up to leave AM falling short of expectations for the third consecutive year. Or maybe because expectations are so low, and only three people that I've seen so far have AM and they're way too early. Top 25 don't know what they're thinking. Maybe AM can rise above expectations and go nine and three. And another Chimbo extension is on the way. Thus, more money, more problems.
2: That was art. I feel like the catchiest songs of the '90s is gonna start with "Head drinking by Dr. Jerry. but I'll I'll take any of that. Um, but still anyway, Dre, still Dre's all time. For, oh, that's all. Yeah, he has a lot. Anyway, um, I think that was 2000. Anyway, so point being, yeah, I think I'll just keep it simple with A and M. buy cars, but you can't
0: but I respect, like bitty said. I mean, now I'm thinking about the catchiest songs of the '90s. Um, jump around. Oh man, that's up there. That's oh, that's up there. Somebody's gonna somebody has a list and catchy. I'm not just saying best songs in the '90s because then people are gonna. If you just say best songs in the '90s, people are gonna start throwing in grunge songs in there. And look, I, I, grunge is no my Pearl thing. Jam. I don't know look, any of those words. That's not catchy. Like yes, exactly. That's my point. We're just talking bops here. Bops only. Let's end with Vandy. How do you keep track of bulletin board material if you're Vandy? Serious question. No idea. They've given up. At least I hope. One of my responsibilities when I interned at the National Baseball Hall of Fame, sick brag, um, was clipping articles from any publication wherein the organization's name was referenced. And I would put these in a binder, pretty standard intern protocol, whole lot of hate thrown at the voters that we would just have to be like, oh, yeah, even though we don't control any of that. Here you go. People are talking about us. Can you imagine putting that binder together for Vandy? It's probably just easier to find the people who don't say, Yes, Vandy will finish last. Like you find the media member who picked Vandy to win the East, and you just sit down with them. You find out everything about their entire life and you see how their brain works. I still don't know who did that. I made a vow on this podcast that we would figure out who in the world did that. I wonder if Vandy knows. They have to know, right? This I is mean, why defunding journalism is bad, because Prime Deadspin would have been all over that. You know, I'm not at a place where I think we need Deadspin in this world, or at least what they've become, but I agree with become. that sentiment. But what they
2: used to be, that like the Teo Deadspin, that guy would have his whole face on Deadspin right now, the Vandy
0: yeah. voter. <laughs> are we talking Brett Favre, Jen Sturger era of Deadspin? Does that count? I, I, guess, I guess so, some are saying, but yeah... Um, that that needs to be figured out. That would be the most important bulletin board material that Vandy could have. is just being able to understand who said that, when, where, and why. What I've always wondered is if, like, so we remember the most infamous bulletin board material provided in recent memory in the SEC. I would, say if if we're doing a ranking of that, it's very obvious, Bama, you're next. <laughs> oh man. Oh, my God. That that one is an all-timer. If you follow Marler on social media, I think he says it once a week. I think it's his background photo on Twitter. Um,
2: There's like, like, it's like a horcrux from Harry Potter. Like, yes. when your hand starts to write on the sign, we want – like, your hand just freezes. and It's like, ah!
0: Nope. No. <laughs> Voldemort's stepping in, and this is not happening. You are not just going to be able to kill this horcrux. Um, I've always wondered if Bama could even use that as disrespect. You know, like did Bama just treat it like a piece of fuzz that lands on your leg, but it isn't even really worth it to bend over and remove it. You're kind of like, eh, all right, that's part of my pants now. I'm not I'm not reaching down all that way. That's not worth my time. But yeah, uh, if you want bulletin board material, Vandy, um, know that I haven't stopped laughing at Clark Lee saying that. Very famous line at SEC Media Days, quote, in time, Vanderbilt football will be the best program in the country. Barring any world wars, I just don't think that's possible. (laughs) I think we would need an apocalypse as well on top of a world war. Um, We definitely need a draft, multiple drafts within that war. Um, And then maybe, who knows? Never say never. That's a different world that we'd be living in. Post-apocalyptic, post-draft. I think all those things would be on the table.
2: I love that our mental image was almost exactly identical for Vandy's bulletin board material. And mine was the episode of How I Met Your Mother where Marshall determined, like he learned that there was a charts department in his building that he worked in, like in the big company he worked in. And so every time he would like go out with his friends, they were like, we're bored. We really don't, no one really knows we exist. He's like, oh, I'll make charts out of everything. And it's just like, beers per, like he was just like making charts out of everything. That's Mandy's locker room with the disrespect. Every publication has them last. They have like advanced like cosine sign of the disrespect everywhere. So hey, if they turn it around, they're going to have more of that than anybody. And it will be displayed beautifully with their giant brains.
0: It's just wallpaper in the locker room. <laughs> that's oh
2: my, That's an idea for Clark Lee. I could see Clark Lee literally making wallpaper out of everything and you could be just sitting there like Bane, like I hope you all had a good offseason. There's I mean lots of work to do.
0: I look, if you want if you want to change things up, Vandy, I know you're doing some redecorating, you're doing some renovations. I that idea comes for free. The second one doesn't. That idea comes for free courtesy of the Saturday on South podcast. So there you have it, bulletin board for every single SEC team. Don't bookmark or screenshot tweets. Just come back to this podcast. All the ammo that you need for your team to win a national championship is right here on this late January, early February pod, depending on when you're listening to this. Any other thoughts on bulletin board material before we kick it to Zach Arnett?
2: Connor, I feel like a, um, like a shelter dog that's been set free. I feel like since I took over, like, like being on this podcast, the whole, I was like, be less of a hater, be less of a hater. And then it was just hate on every single team back to back to back. And I was like, can I, can I do this? I was going to (laughs) be mad at me. Can I just be a hater? I got to get
0: back down. Hopefully I was a 2B. For anybody that ever says we are too positive on this podcast, again, just circle back to this one. Everything you could ever want, negativity, it was all positive vibes only. No, 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 no. Today's a Monday in late January. We got plenty of time for positive vibes, negative vibes only. We need more negativity to motivate people to win titles. That's what we're here for.
2: Yeah. yeah, that's that's the what we've learned is that you have to be a self. You have to be the biggest hater in the world. Hatering turns into championships.
0: Like that's the the Nick Saban coaching treat is just angry emoji equals ring. Yep. Cowboys wouldn't have lost if Skip Bayless had just been like pretty standard about their <laughs> overall outlook. So these things matter and we make a difference in the world. We're just doing it one show, one segment, one podcast at a time. Okay. Before we kick it to Zach Garnett, a quick word from our friends. At Underdog, sports betting, not legal in a bunch of SEC states, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, etc., I want to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy. You might have tried Daily Fantasy in the past, but Underdog is a new platform that's extremely popular right now. And they have some awesome contests where you can compete for real money. It is a great way to scratch that sports betting itch. We have an exclusive arrangement with Underdog. If you go to SaturdayDownSouth.com Underdog, you can automatically double your deposit when you join. You just sign up, throw in 50 bucks, they'll throw in 50 more dollars. It's a great way to get some money to play on these contests. Every week, you can pick higher or lower for different players, very similar to sports betting player props. You can put real money on the line. I know gambling isn't legal in all those SEC states, but this is legal and live. You can do this in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Texas, et cetera. So we got some Super Bowl ones. Well, early, real early. Underdogs all over it. Like we got to get all everything ducks in a row here. We got this figured out. So I'm sticking with Jalen Hurts today. I'm not just going to be a hater. Hater hats coming off a little bit, a little bit here. I'm going with over one and a half Jalen Hurts passing touchdowns. And then under 47 and a half, Jalen Hurts rushing yards. I don't know what the Super Bowl high is for rushing yards by a quarterback, but that feels really, really high. Usually that doesn't happen. Chris Jones, Mm -hmm. too. Is Chris Jones going to allow him to run for 47 and a half rushing? I don't know. seems like a lot. Chris Jones getting
2: his first two career playoff sacks in that game yesterday is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Like A couple of my buddies that got to my house late and I was like, how many career playoffs do you think Chris Jones would? Five, 10,
0: yeah. No, 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 zero. <laughs> really? That's,
2: yeah. that He got his first two career playoff sacks
0: last night. But the pressure numbers are off the They're charts. They're massive. Though. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah. Underdog is awesome. Super fun to do while you're watching football or any other sport in your living room, and you can win some real money. Go to SaturdayDownSouth.com underdog. Take advantage of our promo where Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. $100 absolutely free. SaturdayDownSouth.com underdog. All right, let's kick it to Zach Arnett. <laughs> Now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is new Mississippi state head coach, Zach Garnett. Uh Zach, I figured this would be a better platform to get some questions in after I got bodied like three consecutive times at your first post game press conference. Um, and then, you know, you called on me and I explained afterwards to you that I, I'm just a beta and stuff like that happens to a beta every once in a while. And I asked you. I think the question I asked you was like, "What would Leach have thought about that?" And if I had just at, if I had just had like a horrendous question, just totally terrible, I led with talk about or something like that. I would have made you look bad for calling on me. Is that fair?
1: Well, I want you. I thought you had a tremendous question. First of all, okay, like, and I would like it for the record stated that uh, there was no set protocol there for how to go about. Uh, the order of questions, you know, Uh, and I think obviously that's something that bowl games should go into is having a a set person to call out who gets the question in, you know, but I, I would like it for the record that you got your question in and it was a great question. And uh, I appreciate you not asking a bad one. (laughs) (laughs) You admitted something
0: that day that I think very few coaches are able to do. You admitted you took something off your plate. You gave up play calling duties for the bowl game because you had a million things going on that were more important at the time. And understandably so given the atypical circumstances, pretty amazing though, that jet Johnson didn't even know until the fourth quarter that you weren't calling plays for the game that you were just doing the signals. Um, Will you have defensive play calling duties or is that going to be with Matt Brock moving forward?
1: No, Matt, Matt's our defensive coordinator, right? He'll, he'll, he'll be the one responsible for, uh, developing the the game plan and, and calling it on game day. Now, obviously, we'll work hand-in-hand hand like we have the last three years. I uh, would, would not have given him that title and had him call the game in the bowl game if I did not believe that he was more than qualified for it. Uh, obviously, other people are going to get to know him more now with his new role, but I can say working hand-in-hand hand with him for the last three years. Uh, his daily approach to everything he does, but his preparation, game planning, recruiting, I, I knew – I knew our next defense coordinator was already in the building. And so it was incredibly easy for me to do all the other things that came with being a head coach and hand off play calling duties to him in the bowl game. And uh, obviously the results spoke for themselves on that day. And I believe it's going to be the same thing moving forward.
0: Is it a little bit of an adjustment for you? You're wearing the suits now. You're the CEO of the program. It's, it's a little bit different, isn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, Brandon would like me to, or SID would like me to grow some hair, you know, get the new slick haircut that obviously is required of head coaches. Uh, They got me in a little diet weight loss program. What? So, yeah. No, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Obviously, uh, you know, with the calendar the way it's been the last several weeks, obviously it's been very recruiting heavy, right? You've been on the road, um, recruiting, trying to finalize your class. And now as we're back in, uh, with signing a fast approach and now as you kind of you jump back into football so get back more into my element uh in the film room long hours reviewing all your cut-ups from the season and trying to improve upon your schemes and then getting ready for spring practice
0: true or false you tried to hire as many bald coaches as possible
1: that is i'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried you know psychologists talk about implicit bias or things like that but man when you do see the staff it's like a haircut like your, yourself right there, I mean, that was a non-starter. You had no chance here.
0: <laughs> okay, so you're getting away uh, on the offensive side of the ball. It's, it's a diff- going to be a transition away from the leech air raid, which is one of one. I mean, we talk about the air raid and how common it's become in the NFL in college, but really the, the leech air raid is is so unique because of how high volume it is from a passing standpoint. You bring in Kevin Barbet to run the offense. We don't see a whole lot of pistol formations in the SEC, what kind of prompted you, besides the baldness, uh, what prompted you to want to go in that direction? And why did you like him schematically, at least with the way that he's typically operated?
1: Well, I just think, you first of all, you dig into the stats, the analytics. You try to find, uh, ultimately, the game comes down scoring points, right? And so you look at scoring efficiency, what play callers, places they've been, who've done the best job of, no matter what, getting results, putting points on the scoreboard. And he has coordinated some of those top offenses year in and year out. Uh, you know, we'll see how much a, the, a pistol plays in what we do. Uh, but you do see it. I mean, we've we faced it on film a whole bunch over the last couple of years. Uh, defenses obviously try to find ways to scheme up back location and things like that. The pistol makes that harder on the defense. Um, and so that, you know, maybe not in every play, facet of of what teams have done in this league, but we've seen it quite a bit versus offenses we faced the last several years. Um, but, you know, you talk about that transition from, from the air raid, you know, I, I think it's a credit to Coach Leach and, and that tree of football, what they've done conceptually in the past game is now from a defensive coach perspective, you're seeing those concepts in every offense you face every week. And so there's gonna be a lot of carryover for our for our quarterbacks and receivers in, in the in the passing game, in the pass concepts. Uh, and then obviously we got some talented tailbacks here. We got some big athletic physical offensive linemen, and we think we can utilize and do some things in the run game to uh create some more explosive plays in, in that aspect of the game, and that should open up more opportunities in the pass game.
0: How does that work when you have a guy who's been around like Will Rogers has? Do you I, I know that you're you're making a move for the future of your program, obviously, but does he get sort of a a spot at the table to be able to consult with him on kind of like, hey, what are you looking for in terms of an offense to run? Because obviously a guy who's got as many reps as he does, he's going to have some sort of involvement or at least a takeaway from that process of who you bring in. Did you sit him down and kind of explain, hey, this is what we're looking to do? And was he an active part of that process to find Kevin Barbe?
1: Uh, I mean, was he involved in interviews? No, he was not.
0: Not the interview. Yeah. Yeah. Like no. the, it's sitting him down and being like, all right, like what do, no, what do I we think. Want well,
1: from? first I think that's pretty, that's kind of a, it's going to be a long winded answer here, but that's okay. Okay. First foremost, I think it speaks to who Will Rogers is. Okay. The quarterback position obviously is, is unique in that only one guy plays right. And we see probably more transferring in the quarterback position than any other position across football or more notable transfers. Okay. Will Rogers made it evident from the very start that, Hey, coach, I am a Mississippi state bulldog. There ain't no way I'm looking to transfer. And I know that you and the coaching staff, you assemble, everything is done with the best intent of the program moving forward. Right. So he made it very clear from the start, Hey, you don't need to worry about making me happy or catering to my wants or needs because I'm a team guy. That's why he's been such a successful player that he is. That's why, I mean, if you, if people could see his daily approach, that's why you want him as a captain and leader of your football team, because he is a team guy. The team comes first. Okay. And then I think as he learned more about coach Barbe and looked at, Hey, this is an opportunity for me to right. Grow as a quarterback, get into some things, in reads and progressions that haven't haven't really been exposed to, and develop some some skills that could maybe better set me up for making a run at the next level. And so, it is really it's really beneficial as a head coach to know that when your quarterback and leader of the offense is that kind of guy and has that mindset, it makes it really easy to go about conducting a search.
0: a good point because you just don't know you don't know until you know when you deal with these guys and and will's obviously wired way differently but you don't know going through that and in this day and age it just seems like one thing can happen and then boom a guy like that is gone you're like oh wow that happened quicker than i could have imagined and the aspect of recruiting your own roster um when and why did you fall in love with the 335
1: well you know i played in it and then i uh worked that was my first job and i worked in it ever since and so i guess you could say uh i haven't been exposed to anything else (laughs) you know uh the the brand or tree of it that i'm from uh and we meaning the guys i've worked with and learned under and who are still running it our kind of tree of it is incredibly multiple you know we say three three five, and most people think that means that's your formation, right? You got three defensive linemen, you got three linebackers yep. off the ball, you got five DBs. That could not be further from the truth in regards to our style. Three three five for us is just the guys who are on the field. You know, I mean, it's no different than other teams saying, "Hey, we're a base nickel team, right? We're a four two five nickel." Well, that's great. We're a three three five nickel. I mean, we we get into even structures defensively, probably fifty percent of the time, and we're in odd structures probably fifty percent of the time. So for us, it's it gets our best 11 players on the field, right? And it allows us to be multiple and do a lot of different things, right? I I sat into a whole bunch of offensive coordinator interviews, obviously, over the last month, right? And it's typically all your same buzzwords. We want to be multi-formational, multi-personnel, multiple schemes. Well, it's the same thing that all, these, all the defensive guys are saying. We want to be very multiple in what we do, right? We don't want our offense to be able to scheme us. I mean, you know we all go to the same coaching uh, professional (laughs) development clinics. Hey, sell multiple. You're very multiple. So, um, but that is what I love about our, our, the three, three, five, and what it allows you to do.
0: Sliding doors moment of your life is choosing to play baseball in addition, or rather choosing to play football in addition to playing baseball, which you have more offers playing baseball coming out of high school. I was reading a sports illustrated story. You raked man. Like, 4.77 4.77 average, 20 bombs, drove in 141 runs, not to pat you on the back too much here, but did so for a team that won 70 consecutive games, which in baseball is just unheard of to do something like that. But you decided that summer before you're going to be going to college that you also want to play football for New Mexico. How pissed were the baseball coaches when you told them that you were ultimately going to stick with football?
1: Yeah, oh, That's a long story, but <laughs> uh, fortunately for me, and this is kind of the way things have worked out, I've been incredibly blessed in my, in my life. I think a, a a guy they had signed at New Mexico on the defensive side of the ball backed out of coming. I think it was like July Fourth weekend, right? So just a few weeks before training camp, I got a call up from uh, from who was my recruiting coach at New Mexico at the time, saying, "Hey, a scholarship opened up, opened up last minute. It's available if you want it." Obviously, I jumped at that opportunity. One, I, I've kind of always been my first love's always been football. I mean I love baseball but it was always something to to do to get back to football season you know uh and then obviously as you guys know football is a full ride scholarship sport baseball is obviously you have to divide up between I think you know 13 point something or 11 point something scholarships so everything is a partial so financially it was a a great opportunity for me also but you talked about some of those stats fortunately I don't have, in, in Albuquerque New Mexico springs are known for the, the wind blowing and oh. the baseball field that I played on just happened to be situated where the wind was always blowing, you know, from West to East, which is home plate to the outfield. And so I got a lot of high elevation wind aided hits and home runs.
0: Just tweak your swing to be able to adjust to the ballpark. That's, that's oh, incredible. See,
1: yeah. You hear all this about a uh, launch angle and all this stuff now that it's talked about, if you grow up playing baseball in Albuquerque, man, you can hit a infield pop fly. It might carry for a home run with the way the wind blows sometimes in the spring. And so it's all about launch angle.
0: All right, what's the tape measure, the tape measure shot that you had? It could be wind-dated. I don't think any nobody's going to care about that.
1: Oh, man. I I don't even know. I wouldn't even begin to throw out false numbers here. It's
0: 500 feet. And one time, it just took it and it just rolled, and it just just kept going. And that's that's the best when you get one that, that the wind is behind, and you're just like, yeah, I got all that, and I'm getting some help. That is yeah. that is few. I would say, think. you know,
1: we played our playoffs. We're in a uh, Albuquerque Isotopes Triple A teams park there uh, in Albuquerque, and I I did hit a home run in in one of them playoff games. But when you start talking about these loaded bats, you know that back in the mm-hmm. day when I was, you could be playing with them minus. 10 or whatever between your uh, length and ounces, those, those days are done in baseball. So heck, I think, I think my home state, they've gone to wood bat actually in high school baseball. They have. it's, And I think I'm all for it. They should, we should go to that, get games, get done quicker. Uh, pitching and defense are much more emphasized.
0: You just want your numbers to stand. You just want to be at the top of the record books for all that. No, stuff. I
1: wasn't at the top. Trust me. I wasn't at the top.
0: Would you have played uh pro like, gotten to play in the minor leagues or something like
1: that chance no chance
0: just because life as a catcher is a short one
1: no i mean i was uh you know five nine and below average speed and uh probably an average arm yeah i don't think i don't think my future was in baseball any more than it was in football to be a to be a role player and a team player and hopefully then move on to coaching afterwards.
0: You did something that's is pretty atypical for, for a young coach. You stayed in one spot, nine years at San Diego state. I get, you know, the relationship with Rocky long, obviously, you know, playing for him and and being able to kind of have him as a mentor in this business. But I mean, living in San Diego for nine years that had to play a part in some of that. Right.
1: Oh, I'm not sure. I no, I did not choose to stay. I was lucky enough to be kept around. Right. And it speaks to the success of that program uh, I feel guilty talking about my coaching biography or history because to, to really only work in two places and now get to be a head coach. I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I have guilt over it. Nine year first nine years of your career as a graduate assistant and then at San Diego state and down there in in San Diego where the weather's phenomenal. And then after that, get to be in the sec West and now a head coach in the sec West. I mean, I, uh, I do. I have some serious almost guilt over that. Uh, Not so much that I'm going to turn down the opportunities, but, uh, you know, for one reason or another, either professional advancement or you don't win enough games and there's changes in programs, a lot of times coaches have to move. And I was lucky enough to get with a head coach in a program that was incredibly successful over those nine years at San Diego State, and I was able to stay on and, and work my way up. And I'm again. I've I've said this before, but Rocky Long. I'm more indebted to him. No one's had probably a greater influence on me professionally than him. Uh, and things I learned under him and under, in his program will stick with me for the rest of of my professional career. And then obviously you get to come here for Coach Leach and learn under him for th- three years. Uh, I've I've been incredibly lucky. I think two guys who should be college football Hall of Famers. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know all the metrics and standards that you have to meet in order to be inducted into that. But in my opinion, those two guys are college football hall of famers. If you asked around the coaching community. And so to learn under them for the last 12 plus years has, uh, been a blessing.
0: You and Mike Leach are very different people, which is why I think you guys worked really well together. Um, what was his pitch to you? Like, especially knowing, you know, right before that you had committed to, to going to Syracuse, but you know knowing that that a legend like Mike Leach is saying hey come run my defense you got full autonomy what what exactly was that process like for you
1: yeah uh, you know i think i think he really wanted coach long right and it worked out for one reason or another and then there's probably a dozen or other so guys in there that he would have preferred to have but fortunately for one reason or another it got all the way down the list you know somewhere in the high teens or 20s they got to me and i was not about ready to pass up that opportunity uh, but i can remember him you know, we had a long phone conversation. We had talked before too, because when he was at Washington State, he had an opening, a defensive coordinator opening. Uh, so we had we had already known each other a little bit and conversed several times. But it essentially come down to, hey, I want to, I want to run a specific style of defense. All right, the tree you come from, I want to run an attacking aggressive style of defense. And I want to know if you're actually uh brave enough to call it when the when the bullets start flying. It's one thing to say in an interview, and it's another thing to actually do it when you can have egg on your face because you call a a dumb blitz at the wrong time and it may end up an explosive play for a touchdown. And I was able to convince him that I I was that guy. And then I was lucky enough to work for a guy who, you know, mentor me and tell me, hey, you're just as likely to get burned in a big play in a safe vanilla defense as you are being aggressive and attacking. So I want you to run this style of defense and that's your job to get accomplished here. And knowing that I had his backing every day made it a lot easier to do.
0: You are number two in terms of youngest power five coaches, head coaches. Kenny Dillingham is the only one who's younger than you right now, which is got to be a weird thought considering like, all right, you know, I've, I've been working my way up and, and things happen in very atypical fashion for you, but you're in this spot. What do you think the biggest reason is that you are in this spot as, as a power five head coach at such a young age?
1: I think I've been incredibly blessed. Uh, you know, we we just went through kind of the the nine years at San Diego State, and then three here. Uh, I tried to think about this the other day, and I, I don't even I don't think I got the accurate number, but the number of former head coaches I've had the opportunity to work with has been uh, astronomical. I mean, anytime you're a young coach and you can have an opportunity to be around former head coaches, guys who have sat in that seat and know what the the different responsibilities and jobs are that are going to come at you in that role to get to sit and sit and listen to them uh probably the biggest biggest thing I figured out was I need to I need to stop talking so much and just listen because there's a lot a lot more things you can learn right when you just when you just shut up and listen and so uh, that's kind of been my number one goal here. You know, early on in my coaching career was probably I got to show how smart I am. And then the older and older I've got, I've realized, man, the less and less, you know, and the the more and more you need to just learn, listen and learn. And uh, I've been incredibly fortunate that the, the people I've worked for have surrounded themselves with a lot of other former head coaches. And it's given me a lot of wisdom and insight. And hopefully I'll, I will be leaning on that. And now my new goal is just, not be the first fired power five head coach.
0: <laughs> we went through all those discussions the other day uh, on the podcast. So yeah, you know, I think you're good for, for a long yeah. time. You don't have to worry about that, but it is the sec. That's the nature of the beast. Um, I want to close you out with five rapid fire questions. Just first thing that comes to mind. Does that work for you? Sounds good. All right, it's, first like, tempo,
1: it's like, it's like going against tempo offense. You got to make a defensive call quick.
0: Exactly. You got 10 seconds and if it's wrong, people are going to light you up in the film room and that's the job basically. Same thing. Um okay, I pour you a celebratory post-victory beverage of your choice. What's your pick? Bourbon. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I was worried you're going to say cold beer and I was going to be like that's Pittman's thing already. You can't do that. You got to have your own thing. That's a good one though.
1: Not me um, the Rocks guy.
0: Okay, I like that. I like that. What's your choice of bourbon?
1: Mm, usually, something in the wild turkey family. I like a little spice. Like that. Like that.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, you are, as we discussed earlier, not losing your hair, but you shave your head like Billy Napier does. What is the thought process behind that?
1: My hair grows out like a chia pet. You know, it just goes straight out, it never lays down or anything. Uh, and then it's actually much easier to, if you wake up a little late and you got to just head straight in, it's less likely to show if you have a shaved head.
0: Okay, that's true. But no one with a ball. Like, is that a
1: pompadour you're wearing? I would think it takes time to get the pompadour styled. Okay, so and it's I actually- will also say this. I'm gonna go ahead and just I've noticed that the the line or the part on guys' hairs in in modern fashion is moving higher and higher. And yes. I'm convinced at some point it's eventually gonna end up on the other side, you know, because it it just keeps inching itself further and further up.
0: Tebow's is the one that's really getting further, further away from it. But I have progressively moved that line as well. And you'll be surprised though. I get this cut because it's actually really low maintenance. I get the, I get like the, I got the half down on the sides. I get the one up here. And then all I got to do is make sure that this doesn't look terrible. And you're yeah. like, you're good. You're golden. So it's surprisingly low
1: maintenance. I'm just saying. You know, what? you you know what's say? even more low maintenance? A half all the way over, yes. all the way over. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, but no coach with a bald or shaved head has won the SEC championship. If I told you that the only way to win a conference title is by growing your hair can out. Can you
1: prove that? Like, do you have definitive proof that you can document?
0: Yeah, I looked it up. <laughs> I
1: like can call search. You just said, has a bald guy won the SEC? Or...
0: No, I went through and found every single coach. And I'm like, all right, Saban's not bald. Les Miles wasn't bald. Kirby Smart, not bald. Steve Spurrier, not bald. Like, seriously, go through. Even Gene Stallings, not bald. This is well, a real this thing. Well, does
1: this count as bald? Um okay, shaved and bald are two separate things. And I would say that I would bet that balding coaches mm. have won the SEC.
0: Fair. Right? Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. No bald or shaved heads have won the SEC. So if you had to come up with a style, what, what are you going with?
1: Oh, man. You know, so here's the thing, right? Like, you ever seen like Brad Pitt and Fury? You know, you got the tight sides and the slick back, you know? I would love for that to be the case, but I don't have that. And so a lot of times in life is just coming to grips with who you are. I'm never going to have that slick back look, chiseled jawline, you know, sharp features. So bald works for me.
0: That's hey, nothing wrong with that. I nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's the look of a football coach. Um, Okay. You were in New Mexico when Breaking Bad began. How many times through have you watched that show?
1: Never seen an episode. What? Never seen an episode. My choice your office t-shirt. And I really am not too familiar with that either.
0: Football coaches just don't have enough time. All right. Breaking bad. When you get the time, Leach was big into Netflix. Loved all that stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, when you're a football coach and you get so used to a play, you know, the average play is like six seconds long, right? That's and beginning in NFS. It's hard for me to commit to a series and get into it. I'm never going to see it through. Okay. So nice. why even start on a, on a series that's got like 13 seasons or something? Five. Just five. You're good. It's easy.
0: It's put a pin in it, get back to it later. That's, that's fine. Okay. Last one for you. Best piece of advice that Mike Leach gave you in that document that he gives to all of his assistants.
1: Ooh, Best piece. It's that, that document is too long to just find just one nugget. I know as a defensive coordinator, it was hey, never take counsel of your fears right? Meaning don't sit there and second guess yourself. If you think it's time to blitz them, go blitz them. Now that turned out to be the wrong advice on a few, on a few calls, but was the right advice more often than not. So yes, I will remember that for as long as I'm a coach.
0: Love it. Words to live by. Zach, this has been great. Really appreciate the time. Best luck with everything.
1: Thank you very much. Hail state.
0: What's my destiny, mom.
1: You're going to have to figure that out for yourself.
2: Life is a box of chocolates for us. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Figuring it out, we're talking streaming services. Well, I don't even know what the correct number for streaming services is anymore, because I feel like you used to be able to pick just between Hulu or Netflix. You're one or the other. But now we've got Disney Plus, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got Peacock, Paramount, HBO Max. Which one of those do you not have?
2: I don't have Paramount, I don't have
0: Peacock. I am bootlegging someone's Disney plus. I think we're the same exact thing. I think we're the same exact thing. Um don't have Peacock, don't have Paramount um, Disney plus and Amazon prime are shared accounts that we don't pay for. So we was a little bit hesitant there. You know, when you like, don't have full control over the account and you're like, yeah, you know, this is like a person who's a friend of a friend. And you're like, ah, eh, don't really always feel comfortable using their stuff. Right. I don't want to like kick them off from doing something like that. Whereas if, you know, it's three different shared accounts and, and my brother is on it or something like that. You just send a text to them real quick. Like, Hey, get off. <laughs> get, you have a half hour. It's like back in the day growing up. Hey, you have your computer time. Then you get your computer time or you get your TV time. You get your TV time. Uh, real ones, no. Kids in the nineties, no. Maybe even before that. But yeah, um, I do feel really dumb having a $200 cable bill on top of all of those streaming services. Not not exactly the most um, economically responsible decision that I've made, but I, I need some form of cable during football season, obviously to do this job. And then I used to cut the cord during the off season. I really did. But then like spring games, I felt draft college basketball. I was like, oh, let's just keep it. So it's kind of where we're at right now. Um, question. Which bear is best? No uh, question. <laughs> what streaming service do you start with when you want to watch a movie?
2: Okay. So the, the, the answer, and it's the wrong answer, is Netflix because every time I hit the Netflix button because it's right there and I'm like, there's nothing on here. And then I end up on HBO Max. That is,
0: that is it. That, that is the correct answer. It is always scroll Netflix, scroll Netflix. Oh, we're through the comedies. Oh, we've seen this. I've, if they just change the covers, which I know they do that periodically, but if they changed them more often, I would probably watch so many different Netflix movies. But because I feel like I've seen it, a million times. I don't know how many times I've seen that cover for leap year, but I'm not watching it. Change the cover. At least make me watch it. Maybe they just changed the cover and I'm going to watch it. I don't know, but it feels like I run into the same thing over and over again. And then we just end up going to HBO max. and we eventually find something. But if I find a movie under 10 minutes, like in under 10 minutes of, of just searching, I'm happy. Like that's, that's a win for me. Are you guys able to successfully do that in under 10 minutes?
2: Yeah, I think this is such a great topic because like I've literally gotten to the point where it's like if I want to watch a specific movie, you just Google that movie and then streaming. And then you usually end up on voodoo, which is the funniest thing in the yeah. world because it's like $3 and you're like... All the elite movies like if you want to go watch like the godfather or something or like i was trying to watch fear and loathing in las vegas the other day and i was like oh, this is on voodoo so i gotta pay an additional one-time fee and i almost prefer that honestly to what we have going on here because you're right like you just scroll and scroll and scroll and then the worst is when you have like a room full of people and you're just like <laughs> this is like kind of a side tangent but my buddy the other day just like did that and decided in three seconds on hulu he was watching family guy and i was like That is such a pro move to just like streaming service, family guy, like it or don't. And just walked out of the room
0: and I was like, you know what? No one's going to complain about that. Okay. There's nothing you could do in that situation. And when you're hosting people, I agree. Just put something on, have it be background or whatever. Stand-up is kind of weirdly good for that sometimes, Mm -hmm. which that's not always where my mind goes, but I'm always happy when I put on... When it's, you know, you're having four people over, you kind of want background, some sort of background. You're not really super locked in, but you can kind of peek in every once in a while. But yeah, it's it's totally different when you're when you're with your significant other versus when you're with a group like that. Like when I'm when I'm with Lauren, she will say, Um, I'll watch whatever you want to watch and I'll pick like Rocky Four. <laughs> and she goes, Do we have to? And while I love Lauren to the end of the earth. Sometimes, sometimes it can be just a little bit difficult when she doesn't want to provide input, but I know that she would just prefer to watch something very lighthearted and probably something that we've seen before and we're circling back to. I've done a total 180 on Julia Roberts, total 180. I said before she was a homewrecker. I don't know. I've kind of done, done the rewatching. Um, I'm Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, yeah. <laughs> runaway Bride, like – She's got some good roles. I'll give her some credit. She's got some talent. She might make it one day. Um, but yeah, I, I, if we're going to get ice cream or something like that, I have to have whatever we're watching queued up because I do not want to be searching for 15 minutes or 20 minutes trying to find something while I'm watching my ice cream melt. And yeah, I can go put it in the freezer, but then I got to walk all the way over to the freezer. I'm like, just have something queued up beforehand. That's the only way to do it. Here's a question. On something great here,
2: though, which is that having the remote in any of those situations, especially with a group of people, is like the most nerve wracking thing because you have the illusion of choice of theoretically being able to watch anything that's ever been created. Yes. So if you're holding the remote, you're like, boom, I got 30 seconds to really wow these people and throw something on because individually everyone's like, oh, I would just throw this on. It's like, good, go find it. And they're like. I don't know where that is. And then you're like, what's your second choice? And they're like, I don't know. And then you just end up going around the room or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you wind up putting on like a B tier piece of content in front of a group of people and they're like, This is trash. I would put on an A tier piece of content. But it's like, fine, go find it. And nobody can. That's like what we just end up doing in every one of those situations.
0: And it always goes through my mind when somebody else has the remote. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have stopped. Or I would have stopped there. I, I, I would watch Sandlot. I would watch a League of Their Own. I don't know why I'm only naming baseball movies, but you get what I'm saying. Th- there is always that that second hand, like, oh, I wish I could say something, but I'm not going to because they have the remote and this is their household. And we're going to end up watching something that I'm not I'm really going to be that interested in. Difficult mm-hmm. situation to navigate. Do you share any accounts with with uh with your mom?
2: Yes. I have uh so my mom has like advanced Hulu. So I, I had regular Hulu. I just ended up canceling it because I found out one day when I went to her house. I was like, Oh, you have like that Bugatti Hulu. I was like, <laughs> say less. Because you can you can it like You can share Hulu via mobile devices. So if you guys have a Nintendo Switch at home, let me put you on game. Nintendo Switches are $120. If you get one of those like premium Hulus, you can put it on as many of those as you want and plug them up to a TV. So
0: fun fact. I like that. Okay, that's good. That's really good. Um, I, I need to be better about utilizing all the, you know, like if if. If there is a, an extra service available or something like that, or being able to use it for for mobile purposes, I need to be better about that. I'm just not for whatever reason. Like download a movie before you go on a plane. Like I could do that. I just don't. I don't know why. Just never Bro, let me tell it.
2: you what podcast. I am like. Two for 150 on downloading podcasts before I get on a flight. I'm like so ready for the quest of like this and then this and then this. And I sit down and the plane starts taking off. And every time I'm like, uh-oh,
0: I need three podcasts right yeah yep. See, I'm the opposite. I, I do that from home and I never rely on airport, airport Wi-Fi to download a podcast. But I should just download a show or something like that from home. And I can just watch it on my phone. But I never think to do it. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's go to the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group. A lot of great responses in here. I asked the question, um, which streaming services do you have and which do you think are the best? Which have you bailed on? What's the most amount of people you have uh, sharing an account? What's your streaming service process for finding a movie to watch? Let's start with this one from Laura Doyle. Laura says, Hulu sucks. Changed my mind. Hulu is definitely not the best streaming service. Definitely not the best, but here's what I will give it credit for. If you are a cord cutter and you have a couple, like three shows that you watch that are on just standard basic cable, getting into Abbott elementary, that show is awesome. By the way, mm-hmm. if you watch a couple of shows that are on ABC or something like that, I guess you can't do NBC because they're going all the peacock, but if you have like just two or three shows and you can rely on Hulu to have them up the next day, That is clutch. But in terms of movies, in terms of original programming, Hulu is like bottom of the barrel. It's when we're searching for a movie, that's like third at the earliest. 100%
2: yeah I I just want to say for television specifically you know what I'm saying like if you look through like I said they have Family Guy they have Atlanta which is awesome they have Abbott Elementary they have Handmaid's Tale they have Rick and Morty so like if you want to watch someone else's stuff Hulu is like the best place to be truly if you're playing that game that we just talked about at like in a room I would rather be on Hulu than anywhere else however if I want to watch something that Hulu has made I cannot name it I don't know what that
0: is you are paying for other people's stuff. They did uh, – what was that? That Kid 90 doc that I really liked. There was the Nickelodeon doc. I'm just talking about I'm, – I'm getting real nostalgic, all 90s stuff today. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a lot of great original programming. So and I, I would never be like, oh, you absolutely need to have Hulu. Hulu you just kind of have or you don't, and you just live with it. That's pretty much mm-hmm. it. Let's go with this one from your boy, John um john says hear me out prime video is elite for content selection and purchase options uh you can rent new movies get early access to theater movies if you don't want to go to the movies they have a huge prime video selection of included movies and shows that range from cult classic to blockbusters plus they have some absolute banger originals one of which actually beat uh d plus as the most watched original series on streaming uh, and you can get discounts uh, for other streaming services and channels inside of Prime Video. So you can even select other streaming services and watch all their stuff uh, on there. Sounds like a huge ad for Prime. Yeah, that, this is a huge ad for Prime. This is what this is. Um, But if, let's face it, you're a psycho if you get rid of Prime anyways. So the undisputed king of streaming has to be Prime. Um, He bailed on Netflix. He has three people on... Oh, he's talking about Disney+. I mean, I'm not used to seeing... i I said d plus out loud uh he has three people on disney plus and for finding a movie search top movies by year on imdb sometimes and i'll make a list or i'll just see a random trailer and full send that's a good process that's a making notes this is what i do how do i not have a an entire document of a google doc a shared google doc of notes connor you idiot
2: yeah, I spend, like, 80% of my time talking to either you or John, and that's why I'm just on time for things, because without YouTube, <laughs> <laughs> what do, you, John, I don't know what If you John, be, the funny thing, me and John technically work in TV. Um, you know, I don't really sure. talk about a lot of here, but when you get me and John really talking about TV, we could really, like, get into, like, the business about why some of this, like, for instance, binging versus, like, I saw a tweet, uh, a tweet the other day. Uh, we have, yeah, HBO Max is, I think, the best streaming service, to answer the question. So saw a tweet about how the binge model is just completely broken, and I totally agree with that, because when you look at, Um, what HBO has been able to do with their recent original programming they are recreating a water cooler environment which we've not had since uh, how was the last time you truly remember that before Game of Thrones and The Last of Us
0: like HBO knows what they're doing from a programming standpoint yeah the last show that I watched where it was truly week-to-week drama that you had to be there for that like. It was appointment viewing, and and I wasn't a Game of Thrones guy. Like that was that wasn't my show, um. Mm-hmm. But it was Breaking Bad. I mean, that was ten years ago. Yeah, that was twenty thirteen when that show came to an end. That's that crazy. was
2: pre-binge model, more or less. That's where yeah. they kind of started. But that model basically went crazy, and Netflix lost all this money, and everyone thought they were making all this money until they weren't. And so everyone is now going back to – that's why I love this point of conversation, because we are now going back to what our parents had. of just like, can I just watch my show? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, if you watch like uh, – we watch, we watch Love is Blind because – Yeah, you got to watch a a little bit of trashy reality TV every once in a while. But they have it where you get like five episodes at a time. And then the new episodes come out like next Wednesday or something. So it's like you can kind of binge in that way. You feel like you're binging, even though you're kind of not. You saw that day that you look forward to. I kind of like that. It gives you a little bit something to, to look forward to and not just like, oh, I'm watching one episode and it's this massive cliffhanger and it's a season that lasts four months or something like that. I think that model is successful, too. Mm hmm. All right, let's go to this one from Grant Haney. Grant says, with the exception of Ted Lasso, by far the easiest to bail on was Apple TV. Uh, Now that we have the worst uh, out of the way, the best is HBO Max. It's a combination of original series, movies, and classics. It is second to none. The fact that Peacock has The Office Uh, Super fan episodes give their stream streaming service a puncher's chance in the streaming arena, but they're more group of five than power five status. I like that. When it comes to streaming service process, you can't go wrong with applying the quote yours, mine and ours approach. Simply put, have one that's yours, giving you full autonomy Love that. Love the use of autonomy in that. Uh, But for marital bliss, have one that you and the wife can watch together as well as one that she can watch without you. Great idea in theory. Great idea in theory. If your significant other is sitting there and she just wants to be not focused on picking that, the plan falls apart. Speaking from experience. (laughs) Everybody Lover has to a death. plan until you get pushed in
2: the L- mouth. L- 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 <laughs> A couple of examples of that is like, we agreed, we have a queue, follow the queue. It's in order. <laughs> yes.
0: Love her to death, but that's that plan's got some holes in it. I'm just saying, great idea in theory. All right, let's go to this one from Dave Kozar. Dave said, We've had YouTube TV ever since PlayStation View was discontinued. Uh, is that how you, that's how you say a view, right? Yeah, view. Yeah, view is sneaky good, but YouTube TV has won me over. Easy to use interface and every channel I want except the Bally's regional sports network. The home screen algorithm is based on what you watch, so I don't have to scroll to find games. My wife also has Netflix, Amazon Prime, and the non-live version of Hulu for her shows. We did have HBO Max, but uh, put that on pause until Succession comes back. I find it to be best for movies. I guess I should have included YouTube TV in here. A little bit of a different, it's almost like I mean, you would put – it's like YouTube TV or cable now, you know? Yeah, YouTube TV is something that I
2: think I'm going to end up getting when my current, like, deal runs out. I'm in an interesting situation. I haven't talked about this. So, basically, my high-speed internet comes with free cable, uh, like basic cable. Oh, so, nice. all, like, the SEC game of the week, um, the NFL games, anything on terrestrial, right, I can watch live which is awesome i have it in my like not like my biggest tv and so every week when i watch games i'll put on the 330 sec game in real time in hd and then my my two side tvs have chromecast on them and i will like throw to those two sides um and i'm gonna miss that if i if i do cut the cable but the funny thing is right talking about youtube tv the experience of watching NBA games at other people's houses, and like everybody has like a complicated way to get an NBA game on your TV because League mm-hmm. Pass is horrible. And me and my buddy Peyton have a joke about this. We're like, "He'll come over to my house." And I'm like, "Yeah, just like, give me a second. I got log into this, cast this, da da da." And then like I went over to his house one time. He's like, oh, "I'll just throw on the Pel's game." It took him like ten minutes. So I was like, "Ah, aha, This is easy for no one." I see. So yes, I wish
0: we could just go back to paying for cable. Is my <laughs> my answer. I have a, uh, the guy uh, who I play poker with, like when we go to his house and he'll try and um, he, has, he has a league pass too. And I play poker with two Bucks fans, ironically enough. And they will like the one they're trying to get a game up. It takes at least 10 minutes every yep. single time. They're like, oh, Bucks Sixers are on. Let's see if we can get NBA TV up. And it's like, oh, we have to go through this platform and this platform. And then, oh, you know, it's streaming and then we got to re-upload. It's like, oh my God, this is a, a process. YouTube TV, um, everybody in my life except like, oh no. Uh, everybody in my life has YouTube TV. Yeah, I can I can definitely say that. My brother has TV. My mom has YouTube TV. So whenever I go to their houses or something like that, it is great. And it's great for sports. And the fact that you can record and then be able to watch stuff like that on your phone is really cool. I did that. I remember when I was staying with my brother a couple of years ago, super convenient that you just be in the car and watching a, a game. And catch up and fast forward through commercials while watching on your phone. That's a premise that still, even to this day, is like that blows me away that you can do that. Like to tell fifteen-year-old Connor that that would be a possibility one day. It's just like, what? How how would that work? That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, that's that's. The, it feels like uh, YouTube TV and HBO
2: Max more or less have it figured out. And and but this is a good question. It is related because talking about watching live sports is streaming, right? But it's. It, the live aspect of it you know there's like hulu with like live tv and all that that aspect of it is different from like watching recorded series because you need completely different equipment you need completely yep. different setups and so yeah i think that that's that's a big struggle because you want to watch things live and like to your point i was painting as uh youtube tv and he's like one of the reasons why i'm gonna get it like we were watching something the other day i think it was like a sixers game where like harden got hit in the face or something and he was like did he just get in the face he's like i don't know let me rewind it i was like it's watching slow-mo.
0: Yep. Got it, in the yep. Face. <laughs> it is nice to be able to do that. You can do that with pretty much everything now. Uh, let's end with this one from Lord Lauren Jeffords. Lauren says um, she believes FUBU TV. They use it to stream channels. Hands down the best for sports lovers. Also Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Apple TV. Use Apple TV and Amazon Prime the least. Uh, she has not bailed on any. She, um, yeah. What's the most amount of people you have sharing an account. She says, you're trying to get me caught. I plead the fifth, uh, they'll, they'll catch everybody at some point, And then nothing really happens. And you just continue on your day and find a new way around it. That's the way it always works. Um, what's your streaming service for finding a movie to watch. I go by Rex from friends or Rex from the streaming service itself. That's still like that's a lot of options. That's, that's almost too many options. the The recommendations, even when something is ninety eight percent on Netflix or something like that, I'm like, eh, am I really into this? I don't know. <laughs> now, maybe this this isn't exactly what I pick. Or why why does it think that I'm ninety eight percent for this and only seventy two percent for this movie that I've been waiting to come on Netflix for like months, and now it just doesn't think it's a match. I'll show you Netflix.
2: Yeah, I think hand up Fubo TV. I've heard great things about it. It just initially sounded like a scam to me for no other reason than the fact that it's called FUBU TV. FUBU TV sounds like a link that you would click on in 2010 where you were trying to bootleg a game and it would pop up a page called FUBU TV and you'd be like... Oh, FUBU TV. And then your I identity would be in China. So like it probably is good. Like it probably is good. I just the first couple of times I heard it, I think they did advertise like that for a minute. And I was like, this sounds sketch. But the people that do have it swear by it. That's the thing. So maybe their
0: marketing kind of worked in reverse for me. And maybe it was actually good and it convinced me it was bad. I had the exact same thought as you. And it's I I, I haven't gotten it for that exact reason because I I still always register it as sketchy. You're probably just trying to stream a game. Your information is going to be shared to Russia or something like that. Here's oh well. When you get your identity taken, you'll know where, where the original source was. That's the way this streaming platform works. But it definitely doesn't. We should probably, I, I should probably make sure I don't drag them through the mud too much, just in case we get a future advertising advertising deal with them. <laughs>
2: I don't think any streaming services listening we can be bought. We will dump on cable all day if you give me your streaming service for free. So absolutely.
0: But, you know. Come on, hey, we had a little, little partnership with Sling TV back in the day as well. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying, streaming services give us a call. Okay, lad of the week will. Um I've got one. I'm admittedly a little bit biased. I'm a little bit biased in this. I went with Greg olson Great story on Greg olson in the Athletic. Dude is going to be calling the Super Bowl with Kevin Burkhart, which is Crazy, crazy. But I think Greg Olson is already one of the best color commentators in the business. And I trust me, I watch a lot of football. I listen to a lot of these people on broadcasts. And I think he is fantastic. When you listen to him back to back with Tony Romo, I have no idea how people can say that they prefer Romo over Olson. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I think Greg Olson is so smart. And because he's a former tight end, I love that he can break down the trenches play. I love that he can talk about the passing game too. But even if I didn't once own a Greg Olson Bears jersey, I think I got rid of that a little bit ago. I think I did. Um, I'd still say that he is one of the very rare instances of a guy who didn't have to pay his dues and didn't really need to. And that's why it's so frustrating that he's basically in a lame duck role with Fox because the second that Brady retires he gets Olsen's job and then Olsen gets demoted to like the second team with Fox which hot garbage in my opinion I get why it's done but there is no way on God's green earth that the 10 year 375 million dollar deal that Brady got is going to be worth it for Fox especially considering they already have a superstar in his role and I don't know if this would have changed how those negotiations went, but like, imagine getting $375 million to do something that you've never done before. That's Tom Brady like that. And I get it. It's the name. He's arguably the best football player ever. I just, I don't like the way that it's playing out. And I respect the hell out of G reg, who is far more than just a member of the seventh floor crew. I hope, I hope plenty of people get that. Don't listen to that one with your kids in the car. This quote from the athletic though, is just perfect. This is like chef's kiss for me. He said, uh, I knew this year was going to be a weird year because I was going to answer this question every single time. I said this to Kevin Burkhart. My only option right now to make a career out of this is to be good. That's it. I didn't play quarterback. I didn't play for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't have a gold jacket on. I didn't play New York City. The only way I can do this is if I'm good, whether that's good enough in the long run. I don't know. All I can control out is going out there and having fun and giving a fun broadcast. We love that. Love GREG. Love him.
2: Love G-Rag. Yeah, I, I think the thing about that that's a little bit puzzling is the amount of sure people that hate Tom Brady. Like, I feel like if you even like Peyton and Eli, I think you're pretty well liked. But it's like, if you're going to pay this huge payout to this guy who like most of America probably doesn't enjoy seeing when they have to watch him. Now you're choosing to put him in the booth when he's watching other games. It's like, I've never, I'm going to keep my Tom Brady hate to a minimum. here. I've just never thought he was a particularly interesting guy. I just kind of thought he was like a weirdo. Like with Eli. Yeah, like. With Peyton and Eli, like I see that you know, I've joked about them over time. But watching them like t- talk and be funny is great. Like with Tom Brady, I'm just like yeah i know you're a weirdo like i just, I know that what you do is different but it's not particularly interesting to me because i also kind of probably just know you're doing hdh or something like i just it, anyway so point being like it's never been like oh he found the, the cd the the secret of youth it's like this guy's just a psycho anyway so yes i think that's great i love greg olson he's one of the few guys like as a rival of the panthers have had some likable lads man they had him cam steve smith yep. uh beason like they've had Luke Keith, he was cool it's been really hard for me to hate the panthers and i love i love greg so um yeah mine's i'll keep it short very simple a little we'll Little bit obvious but i feel like andy reed i feel like andy mm-hmm. reed's been awesome um and and when you think about make, becoming the story right this whole story this week pat mahomes is he hurt kelsey is he gonna play you know joe burrow is the second coming of tom brady he's unstoppable burrowhead all the stuff with the mayor all that different stuff and on the other side of it you know have the eagles are this new fun team they've now made two Super Bowls after firing him where he has himself made two Super Bowls since then, or three Super Bowls since then. Sorry, he went one and one and this will be his third. So it's just, it's very interesting that everyone is talking about, you know, I'm sure lots of people are talking about it, but I'm sure all these compelling storylines aren't. I'm fascinated that he is not the number one storyline because he's the one thing that kind of brings it all together. You know, uh, not only the Kelsey brothers playing each other, but also him returning and playing the Eagles, who were his old team. And You know, he obviously gave his heart and soul to the city of Philadelphia. They love him very much. It wasn't like a messy breakup. They just had to go. But it's one of the few that I feel like both teams could say they won. You know, I mean, yeah. the Eagles are obviously here with their second head coach since him. They haven't really found stability necessarily, but they've found a culture which has kind of held this whole thing together. And with Andy Reid, he's proven that he was more than just those rosters, that GM, that administration. He's now found Pat Holmes and kind of had this whole second wave to his career. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited
0: for the lad, Andy Reid, who is just a great guy by all accounts. I'm old enough to remember when Andy Reid couldn't get to the Super Bowl, couldn't win the big one. I mean, the T.O. Eagles back in the day was like their, their breakthrough. And it was, oh, he's just going to always be the, the best coach to not win a Super Bowl. And, man, that has changed in such a significant way. And that that is, again, like seems like somebody who's extremely well-liked within football circles and somebody that people just absolutely love playing for. Some are saying Pat Mahomes, system quarterback. Just saying, throwing it out there not the bear system wouldn't have worked with the bears but. The, Yeah, system quarterback applies every system but
2: like five teams exactly. it's like yeah
0: exactly uh if you have not leave us a five-star review subscribe to this podcast follow us on twitter at the Pod at sat down south subscribe to our basketball newsletter blue chip grit go do that at bluechipgrit.com join the facebook group and hear named red on air with figuring out or bold and brush thanks guys talk soon